I know firsthand how exhausting it can be to manage all the tasks in my reselling business, like listing, bookkeeping, and more, but I've found a solution that has given me back my time and allowed me to grow my business, hiring a virtual assistant. And now I want to share that solution with you. That's why I've created an online course called Hiring a Virtual Assistant for Your Reselling Business. With this course, you'll learn everything you need to know to find, train, and manage a virtual assistant like a pro. And because I want to make this course accessible to everyone, I'm offering a special coupon code, Flip the Script, that gives you $10 off at checkout. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your reselling business to the next level. Sign up now at hiringava.com and let's enjoy the freedom and fun of growing our businesses together. Again, you can sign up at hiringava.com. Welcome to the Flip the Script podcast. I'm your host, Denali, and I'm a full-time reseller on eBay and Poshmark. My store and closet name is El Ducho, E-L-D-U-C-H-O, and you can find me on Instagram and YouTube as El Ducho Thrift. Well, long time no talk. I've been on a little bit of an extended hiatus, but I'm excited to say I'm back and I am recording episodes again for this podcast. In this week's episode, I had a chance to sit down and speak with a reseller that I have followed online for quite some time, but just never had the opportunity to deep dive and have a great conversation with them, which I did today. And that person is Karina. Karina is a full-time reseller living in Oregon who has grown a successful consignment business but it didn't start off that way. It's been quite a journey for her, and I'm so excited to share that story with you all. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Karina. Thanks for being on the podcast with me today. Hi, Denali. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited as well. You know, when I was thinking about my return to podcasting, you were on such a short list of people that I wanted to talk to. And I'm so happy to have you here as my first guest, because I have been, you know, watching your journey throughout the years. And I'm just really excited to talk to you about where you're at and how you got into this space that you're in today. So thank you again. But to jump right, yeah, to jump right into it, I guess my first question for you is, how and when did you first start reselling? This is so funny. I feel like I I share this story so many times, but I like kind of found like a new a new angle to share it at. I was talking to my friends yesterday about how like you remember in middle school or in high school where people would like sell candy bars or like sell <laughs> chips or something, you know, to like make yeah. some extra cash because you couldn't get jobs. Um, well, everyone was doing that at my school, so it was like I couldn't do it too because everyone, everyone else is already doing it. Or like people were baking and like, I did, I don't have that skill set. <laughs> so I started selling clothes. I started selling clothes that were in my closet because I had way too many and I love to thrift. Like I grew up thrifting. So I would thrift for clothes. I would post them on Instagram and I would like sell them to people at my school. Like I would be like, okay, meet me here at the school and I'll sell it to you for $2 at lunch or something. And that's how I that's how I started. Those are my humble beginnings. 
That is so funny. Well, yeah, like you said, I do remember that, yeah, people would maybe sell stuff like maybe in the lunchroom or, you know, I, I even see it on TikTok today, you know, people selling stuff to just make <laughs> a side hustle at school, which I think is great, but I would have mm-hmm. never thought to have sold clothes. And I'll admit, I'm a little bit older than you. So we didn't have Instagram when I was in high school. So maybe that's why I hadn't thought about it. You know, once you started doing that, did you see other people around you at school start to maybe mimic that or copy that? Yeah, so I think Instagram came out or it got started getting popular in like 2012. And that's when Mm -hmm. I was a senior in high school or like junior to senior in high school. So when I... I started posting because I did see other people already doing it. And it was like people from other schools or like people that I just knew because everyone knows everyone when you're that age for some reason. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we would even schedule like meetups at the mall, like for kids who didn't go to our school. And then on the weekends, like my dad would drive us, me and my friends to the mall and we would go and like, sell, it's so funny. We would sell our clothes <laughs> at the mall to like other kids. <laughs> like went to other schools and we would just like have like one big meetup and like everyone would come and like do trades or do whatever it's actually a really cool thing now that I think about it yeah I feel like you were ahead of your time there (laughs) I mean I guess it's some version I guess it's some version of a clothing IRL (laughs) exactly yes yeah so were the kids that you were meeting with at the mall were they seeing everything from your Instagram page or were you just like bringing new items with you and kind of like holding it up and people are like sure I'll um, take from, that or all that. from Instagram all from Instagram okay. so I would just post it I would just post like really bad pictures like horrible <laughs> photos like if you compared them to like my Poshmark <laughs> photos now they were an absolute mess I would just like throw it on my bed and take a picture it's like everything that you tell a reseller not to take like not to do when they're photographing that's what my right. pictures look like that's so funny do you still <laughs> oh, have yeah. that Instagram account it's the same one that I have. It's Perdue Thrift. I just kept it over the years and changed the name. I love that. Wait, so I'm like, so if we scroll down far enough, will we see those photos? No, I deleted them. I deleted oh, no. them. I should actually post this. So at the time, my friend, my, so my original closet name, my original Instagram name was KO underscore clothes. And okay. it stands for my name, Karina Ochoco underscore clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friend like made a logo for me. I have it. It's like posted somewhere on my Facebook. I should just post <laughs> it on my Instagram. But it's really, it was like a picture of me like modeling some clothes. And then I was like really awkward in high school and my friends would make fun of me for it. So under like the tagline under my name was like awkward is in or like something like that. And yeah, it's really cute. <laughs> yeah, I think that should be a tagline for all high schoolers maybe middle schoolers as well. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so funny okay and so then you changed your username to per diem thrift so tell me how you got that name where did you think I, to come up with that so I went through a whole bunch of different names and at first I think I I had per diem thrift or no before sorry I'm all over the place uh, before okay. per diem thrift uh, my store was called k per diem shop and okay. it was spelled P-E-R-D-I-U-M. I wanted to like switch it up. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if people knew this, but when I first joined Whatnot, sorry, this is a tan- side tangent. That's okay. Um, when I first joined Whatnot, my username was Kper Shop. It's because my email is kperdmshop at gmail.com. 
because mm-hmm. that's what my name used to be. And that's what I thought my gotcha. business was going to be. But then I changed it. But I came up with that name because I was in college. I was taking an accounting class and I learned about the term per diem, mm-hmm. which is like per the day. If you're a nurse or if you're in financials or whatever, you know what that means. It's like an allowance per day that yeah. you get when you're like traveling or whatever. And I took that and I switched it up for my own. And I just mean like you take every day by the day. And like we were just talking a second ago about how we have so many roles in life, whether you're a mother or a small business owner or you're a student or maybe you work a full-time job, you're a wife, you're a friend. And it's like having a closet where you'll be able to pick out an outfit to be whatever role you need to be that day. Oh, I and love that. Life per diem. So if I need to dress like a yoga teacher today, because that's what I'm doing today, that's how I'm going to dress. Or if I need to dress like I'm going to go thrifting, like that's a whole nother like persona that I have mm-hmm. kind of. So I just have a closet that correlates to all of the things that I have to do and be for life. I love that. Okay. That's so cool. Cause I was going to ask you about your name and I thought, Oh, maybe it's like the per diem is how much money she allots herself to go thrifting with each day. <laughs> yeah. That's as far maybe a lot of people that. think I'm a nerd. <laughs> Okay. Awesome. So, you know, you have these kind of humble beginnings selling on Instagram in high school. So how does it evolve to where you are at today? And I know that we're talking about probably a 10 plus year span in there, but can you kind of walk me along that journey? Sure. So I stayed on Instagram for a few years. I want to say like three or four years. I solely sold through Instagram, which is not allowed by the way anymore. I don't think Mm. think they have rules against it now, Um, but I started following more and more people. Like it was becoming more and more popular to sell through Instagram. And so I was meeting people that didn't live locally to me. They didn't live in San Diego. They were either in like the Bay Area or they were in like New York or on the East Coast somewhere. And so I learned how to ship my items because there were people that didn't live locally to me that wanted to buy. And some of the resellers that I started following would post about how they sold on like eBay or Poshmark. And I was like starting to get intrigued because I was like, okay, you know, Instagram only, only the people that follow me can see what I'm selling. So maybe mm-hmm. if I go on these other platforms, I'll have a higher chance. And I was seeing how other people were having crazy success. So I started selling on Poshmark and it was, I never turned back. <laughs> That's awesome. So when, when, like, what year was that, that you started selling on Poshmark? I want to say it was like 20, maybe late 2015 or early 2016. Okay. So yes, at, at that time, you know, what was Poshmark like, like at that time? Cause I don't think I really joined the platform until maybe 2017, 2018. I'm not sure. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of on the later end, but what was it like True. at that time when you joined and like in terms of how is it different? from what we know it to be today? I feel like people were a lot more bendy back then. <laughs> I So actually, when I first started on Poshmark, I was going to warehouse sales in all over California. I would drive like from 
what is it called? Orange County, all the way up to like San Francisco to go to different warehouse sales, specifically Brandy Melville warehouse sales. Um, that was like the jam. Yeah, totally. And, and especially uh, at that time period. Yes, exactly. And so I could like go to one of those sales, drop a couple hundred dollars, bring back a whole load of clothes and post them on Poshmark or Instagram. I would do both at the same time. And the amount of like, it was just such a popular brand that like it would sell so quickly for me as well. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was just different. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. I feel like more people wanted to trade clothes back then. Like there were a lot mm-hmm. of trades going on. I feel like that doesn't happen or maybe it's just cause I don't allow it anymore, but it was more of a, at least I think it was more of a community kind of thing. Like it was, it was like, we were just talking about our clothes and like, Oh, I love your style. I love your closet. Mm-hmm. Like let's bundle 20 things because we have the same style. Right. Um, and, and just so like shopping at, a lot. At, at that time, were you treating it as your full-time income? Did you have another job at that time? No, I had a job at that. Oh, that's funny. My first day I worked at Zara at that time. I one, my first sale on Poshmark was a dress that I bought at Zara on clearance <laughs> and it didn't fit me. So I didn't return it. I just posted it on, in, on Poshmark and it sold in like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And so did, it, yeah, Poshmark did your coworkers was, know, know about your, your reselling venture? I mean, did the, did Zara have any policies against, you know, conflict of interest or something like that? No, I was very surprised that they didn't. I started telling my coworkers that that's what I did, that I was like mm-hmm. buying things and resell. Well, they knew that I did it on Poshmark for like other other brands, but when I started buying for like from Zara, like from their clearance or from wherever and then selling it online, nobody really cared. Like they started mm-hmm. doing it too. Like my friend, one of my coworkers, she started buying things and then like taking it to Mexico and selling it there oh nice this is such a great idea I'm like Mm -hmm. I'm glad it's working for you (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of contagious when you start reselling once the people in your life totally hear about it they're either they're they're either all in or they're like yeah that's not for me so (laughs) yeah I know okay so you know what I guess you know keep going in that journey what brought you to the point where you even thought about doing this as you know your full-time income Sure. So I was at Zara. I was a cashier. I was working full time as a cashier, standing on my feet, and I got pregnant at, in the end of 2016. Mm-hmm. And I was having the worst like morning sickness, but it was lasting like the whole day. I couldn't stand. Like I couldn't. I couldn't work that job. It was very draining for the for being pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I quit that job and with like nothing, nothing else to do. And I was just like, well, I know how to resell. So I guess I'm just going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that carried me through. I was full time. I was a full time reseller for a few months until I found another job that was. It was like a banking job, pretty much. But I got to do that full time. And it was like so chill. They let me do Poshmark stuff on the side. Like I could bring my computer or my phone. I could even Whoa. bring my stuff that I needed to pack and ship and I would wow. ship it there. That's yeah, so it cool. was it was like it was like a dream come true. It was a full-time income, but at what whenever it was slow in there, I could work on Poshmark or at the same time I think I was also 
still taking classes in school. So okay. I would like bring my schoolwork. I could do anything as long as I like helped customers when they came in. So it was like a dream come true. And then I worked there for about two years. So I was, I was making about the same amount of money reselling and at my full-time job. So it was kind of like I had two full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. But then we vacation how long was that like two years I think I worked or a year and a half I worked at that job and then in what year was that 2019 we came here to where I live now the Dells Oregon and we were visiting my fiance's grandparents for like a weekend I think and there was a cafe for sale or a coffee shop Mm -hmm. and in that weekend that we were here we decided to buy the coffee shop quit our jobs and move to another state so we literally bought the shop and then we came back home I put in my notice like a month notice and then my fiance came straight back up here to start working at the cafe so I was like at home my parents were with me at the time like staying in our house so um, I just like started wrapping up all the loose ends packing all our stuff and we moved up here and that's when I really became like a full-time reseller Besides the cafe, we weren't really making money off of it because we were starting it up. So most of our, actually all of our income was coming from reselling. Okay. So San Diego up to Portland, that's, you know, not only a very big change in weather, but also I would say probably a very big change in maybe culture. Does that sound right? Oh, a change in everything. It was a big culture shock. I'm going from like a like a, a big city pretty much mm-hmm. to I think and I hope this doesn't come off as like braggy or anything, but like I have more Instagram followers than there are people living in my city. I think there's like <laughs> No. That is not braggy. I think that gives some perspective. <laughs> there's like I think the popu- like the population in this town is we're about an hour and a half east of Portland. So I live in a really small town. It's like 30,000 people, I think, want to live here. And I have like 40 something. It's it's crazy. It blows my mind when I think about that. Like, I don't, I don't think I've even seen everybody in, that lives in this town because we have a big, it's like a big county, I guess. But uh-huh. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And I came up here not knowing anybody besides my fiance's grandparents. So it was, it was crazy it was good and bad because I was able to really just focus on reselling and grow it back to like I had to almost start from new because I didn't know where to source I didn't Mm -hmm. have all my old connections where I could go to warehouse sales you know I I was pretty much having to learn a lot brand new and not know anyone around me to like help or like bounce ideas off of the closest people I knew were like in Portland or in like where you are in Seattle. So it was, it was hard. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think, um, you know, the thought of buying a coffee shop, right. You just went to visit his grandparents and then (laughs) all of a sudden you're coming home and telling everybody, um, we're leaving and we also bought a coffee shop. I I mean, yeah, that must've been shocking for everybody around you shocking for yourself as well. You know, what was the motivation? I mean, that's a pretty big decision. What what made you want to, I guess, do this big change? First, I I say that I manifested this coffee shop because you. I think this is still in my Instagram, but like a week before we came to 
visit up here, I took a photo inside of a coffee shop back in my hometown. And I said, one day I'm going to own a coffee shop. Wow. And literally a week later, we went and <laughs> bought a coffee shop. Like, I am, I love, like, yeah, it was, I didn't even think that that was a possibility, but it kind of just was. It just mm-hmm. happened. Um, but like, we we were we we still are young. We were very young, and we were just thinking, you know, like it's it's so expensive in California, in San Diego, mm-hmm. and we were like working our butts off to live in this condo. Pretty much, it was really it was only a two bedroom condo, and like we rarely saw each other because we were both working a lot. And we lived like five minutes from the beach, never went to the beach. It was like we were working to live and we just weren't satisfied. Like it wasn't fulfilling at all. And we were just kind of, we felt like robots. Mm -hmm. And when we came up here, like we were just so intrigued with the idea of a small town because we, me and my fiance both grew up in San Diego. So we didn't, we only know like a city environment or like millions of people around you at all times. So when we came up here, it was just so beautiful. I think we fell in love. I'm a huge Twilight fan. So moving to the Pacific Northwest (laughs) was like another dream come true of mine. (laughs) I love that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. We just kind of are like when a door opens and an opportunity lands, like we take it. Like we don't ask questions. We just go for it. And that might be naive of us sometimes. But at the same time, we wouldn't be where we are now if we didn't take that huge leap. Absolutely. Definitely great life and business experience. And, you know, we don't have to go, you know, too in depth about it, but can you just touch on the experience of owning the coffee shop and, you know, do you still own it today? Sure. So we do not own it today. And I think if you can remember what happened early 2020. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big player in why we don't have it anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. We we made the jump kind of blindly. We saw this opportunity of something that we both really wanted, and it was right there in front of us, so we took it. And then we it was great while it lasted, but there were a lot of things that we realized we didn't want to do. Like, we didn't want to cook food all day long. Mm-hmm. It was a, yeah. it was a existing business already, so we were kind of taking over something that was already there. And Mm. a lot of people also didn't like the changes that we were implementing. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of difficult to deal with. But definitely when the pandemic hit, we just had no idea what was going to happen or like if we were going to be able to survive. And so, again, we saw another opportunity to get out and kind of just like wash our hands of the Mm -hmm. whole thing. Yeah, And so we took it right away. And I'm actually very glad that we did because if we had tried to stay open, we would have just been bleeding out more and more money. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I was it, It's kind of like a fever dream. It happened so fast and it was yeah. such like a blip in time, but it changed so much of our lives. Like we would not have moved out here if we didn't have that opportunity. And now I think three years later, Like I own a successful consignment store here. And this is something I wouldn't have been able to do in San Diego because the rent would have been like quadrillion times more than what I'm paying here. And it's just, 
and I've met people here that I think are going to be like my lifelong friends. It's like there are so many other things that grew out of that opportunity, even though that original idea didn't come out how we thought it was going to be. Like we both, both my fiance and I are chasing dreams that we are both passionate about. And like, these are things that would, I don't, I don't know if it would have happened if we stayed in California. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's sometimes we take on different projects and we think, you know, this, you know, we have big dreams for it and they don't kind of work out the way that we want them to, but what we may perceive as, you know, a failure for ourselves personally in the moment we look back on and and we think, gosh, if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be where I am today. Exactly. Let's talk now about how you've grown your business to where it's at today and where you're selling currently. So you mentioned that you've got a consignment business and a store. So when you came to Oregon and Mm -hmm. you, you know, you kept your business reselling full time, you know, what was the time period to you maybe between the cafe closing to you getting your office space that you have today or excuse me, retail space? Sure. Um, So when the cafe closed and I had to focus, well, now our income really was solely based on my reselling. Mm -hmm. My fiance was a stay-at-home dad for the past three years. He has been like the most amazing, supportive person I could have ever asked for. He's like ultimate dad. That was what his like, (laughs) that's what he was born (laughs) to do. Some people say they were born to be mothers. He was born to be a dad. Um, So he was thankfully like such a a big help in me being able to do grow my business to where it is now. But during the pandemic, it was really difficult to go sourcing because everything was closed. (laughs) So I Mm -hmm. was trying to order stuff online. It wasn't turning out the greatest. I don't think I was cut out for uh, like buying pallets or buying wholesale. Like it was, it was just a whole feat that I, my heart wasn't in it. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. So I, I just tried to find what I could where I could. But co- going closer to end of 2021, or like middle of 2021, end of 2021, I decided that I wanted to start consignment. But I was still doing it out of my house. I was still like getting people's clothes and selling them on Poshmark. Mm-hmm. I got a couple clients because I started going to a yoga studio And I started like finally meeting people and making friends after two years of complete and utter loneliness. (laughs) Um, But that's where I was getting some of my clients. And then one thing after another, I was, I was offered a pop-up like during one of their events. This was kind of like tail end of the pandemic. People can start going out now. Yeah, they offered to let me do a pop-up in like during a, a community event and I did it and it was great. People kept asking me like, oh, where's your store? Where's your store? I was like, oh, I don't have one. I do everything out of my house, but I do mm-hmm. consignment. You can like, I'll come to your house and pick your stuff up. And I kept getting more and more people and my, I live in a one bedroom apartment. It was not fun. <laughs> to have so many clothes just everywhere. And so a couple months later, my the person that owns the yoga studio, she's now like my absolute best friend in the whole world. She offered me space in their downstairs area to like rent as an office. And I told her like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to use it as an office because I'm going to 
it's just taking over my house. I don't have any space in my house anymore. I just need space to do my work. And she was like, okay, well, what if like people come and want to shop? I was like, oh, I guess I'll put out like a rack or two and people can shop from it. And mm-hmm. turns out now I have like 15 racks outside and it's like, <laughs> it's definitely grown. And I'm so thankful. I'm coming on to, I think April 1st is going to be a year of me having my, my store. That's exciting. Are you tired of spending hours sharing and sending offers to likers? Introducing Posher VA, the web program that will save you time and increase your sales. With Posher VA, you can automatically share your closet, send offers to likers, and schedule your share times all with just a few clicks. Using code ELDUCHO, you can try Posher VA for two weeks for free, no credit card required. Posher VA is not just another program, it is your program. Say goodbye to manual sharing and hello to even more time in your business. Try Posher VA today using code ELDUCHO, E-L-D-U-C-H-O. Okay, so you've been doing Poshmark all throughout these years and you decide that you want to take up this portion of your business that's now going to be consignment. Myself personally, you know, I've, I've often kind of shunned away from doing consignment just because, Mm -hmm. you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like, you know, the big thing for me would be, it looks like there's a lot of organization that needs to be done, right? Because you're not just, it's not just your inventory anymore, right? Now you're dealing with Mm -hmm. other people's inventory, which in turn is ultimately other people's money. You're dealing with other people's money and Yeah. So tell me, you know, for you, is that kind of in your personality? Is that something that you're like, I like this or (laughs) I mean, you must like it. (laughs) You know, I am not the most organized person in the world, but that is why I rely heavily on like softwares and the things Mm -hmm. online that can really help me organize my business. Um, So at first I was taking, I was tracking everything with like a spreadsheet because that's what I was told, like, you know, you hear things from, I took a consignment course, I think, and and it was like, oh, yeah, track everybody's stuff through a spreadsheet. And I'm like, okay, I could do that. And then I got like, I think at the time, I I only had like 20 consignment clients, but at the time, it was a lot. And it was like, overwhelming, because I was handwriting every tag, it was just a whole mess. But now I have a, a software that I can like, everyone has an account, it is like super professional, I feel like a a real the real deal now and it's yeah. not as bad as you'd think when you have systems in place and this can go for any part of reselling like if you have a system that works for you like it it might not work for somebody else or it might be different from somebody else but as long as it makes sense to you and how you function then that's mm-hmm. like the most important thing and so I'm so fortunate that I found this like a, a software that I it's like integratable with Shopify and it's just, it keeps me organized. It does all the things that are my weaknesses so that I don't have to worry about it. And I can do all the fun things that I love to do, like sort through clothes. But the thing, and I do, I say this with reselling as well. Like even if you're going out thrifting and you're buying stuff like with your own money, when it comes to consignment too, I only take in things that I am super excited about that I, Mm -hmm. I, like that I really love because then it makes me want to take care of these items it makes me want to keep them organized and like want to see them do well whereas if I were just 
taking in everything that people bring in, like I would not feel as good about it and just mm-hmm. feel less motivated. So that has been like one of the biggest things. And yes, that means sometimes I turn people away and I don't take anything from them. And mm-hmm. it's hard because I had to learn that the hard way, like it's okay to say no to people. But that has been like a huge learning point for me is just being like, okay, like this is my business. Every single piece of clothing that I'm selling is like a reflection of my business. And I need to make sure that it aligns with the style that I like or like the brands, the quality that I like. Like I have a rule that I don't do any fast fashion in here. Um, Mm. So don't bring me your Shein. Don't bring me your Fashion Nova. There are like case by case, there might be some pieces that I might pick up. But for the most part, like Shein is an absolute no. I'm very hesitant with like Forever 21 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just staying organized and loving every single part of what I bring in so that I know that I will be on top of everything. That's, I think, just great advice in general, right? I think a lot of resellers learn that in their kind of first maybe year or two years of reselling is just really, you know, selling what only pick up items that you love because right then you're going to want to actually photograph them and list them and share them in your closet and all that sort of stuff. You know, you you talked about that taking the yoga class, it kind of introduced you to other people. And maybe that's how you got some of your consignment clients. It sounds like it was maybe a little bit of word of mouth, perhaps. So that's kind of a question I have. And then also, you know, you mentioned that having to turn people away, I think that would be a part that some people would be nervous about is just what if I am contacted by somebody, I go over to their house or they bring me in items and I don't want anything. How do you deal with those situations? So that was kind of two. One is just like how your business spread. Was it by word of mouth? And then how do you, how do you turn people down? Sure. Um, Yeah. So number one, definitely word of mouth, especially in a small town, like everyone talks to everyone. And so it it can be in your favor. It could not be in your favor. If you live authentically and are a good person and do good things, then it can be in your favor. Um, <laughs> but yes, everything has pretty much been word of mouth. I am on Instagram with my new shop. Shameless plug. It is Per Diem Thrift Shop. If you guys want to follow, I ship. If you guys like anything, I can ship it out to you. But yes, I did word of mouth mainly. And then what was I going to say? Oh, I was a speaker at Posh Fest last year. And because of that, they helped me get some articles written about me. Poshmark helped me get some articles written about me in local newspapers. Nice. Um, So that was a huge thing for me, like a huge marketing thing. I don't like to pay for any advertising. I try to do everything. Well, besides like business cards and flyers, but I don't like put out ads or anything or, or newspaper things. I try to do everything as minimally costly as possible so yes Mm -hmm. just mainly just um word of mouth getting like kind of like influencers but like local people who I just know know a lot of people like get Mm. them to shop in my store and like tell all their friends or post a picture of them on Instagram and then they'll reshare it and then all their friends will like follow it's like micro influencer status but these people Mm -hmm. don't have like crazy amounts of followers or anything um so yes word of mouth has been the biggest help for my store and also just like different events that come up downtown like we'll have like 
a first Friday every month and people will come and like shop all the businesses. So they'll just try to see what's new in town. And that's mm-hmm. how I found a lot of people just like wandering into my store. But yeah. Okay. And then the part, yeah. Yeah. And then the part two, yeah. How do you turn people down? Because I think, you know, (laughs) you don't ever want to hurt anyone's feelings. Right. And, and clothing tends to feel very personal. Totally. And that's the thing some people are going to have very high opinions of their clothing and you kind of just have to break it to them sometimes that their stuff isn't as valuable as they hoped it was. It's, it's taken me a lot of practice But I think if you can establish yourself as the expert and let people know that like, this is your job, this is what you do. You know, you don't go into, you don't go into a store and tell them like, why are you pricing your things like this? Like, you know, as a reseller, how to look up comps, like what is trending? I do so much research and I pride myself in how much market research that I do. And I explain that to people. I'm like, you know, this is, this is the whole process, if you are willing to go through that process, then like you can sell these things on your own. I really hope that you can make that kind of money. Um, But I'm just, sometimes I'll even pull up comps and like show them like this shirt is selling for $10 on Poshmark. And I charge my split for consignment is 30, 70. I keep 70 customer keeps 30%. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if you want well, after Poshmark fees, it's like what they get $7. I'm not even going to do that math. But if they're going to get dollars for this top, I'm like, do you really think that like all of this work is worth a dollar? Or like, do you right. really want to wait like a couple months for a dollar to have like to come into your account? I don't say it that blandly. But like, you know, I try to to get that information to them and help help mm-hmm. them understand that like, it's a lot of work on my end. A lot of my customers actually have tried to sell on Poshmark and admit that it is a lot of work and that they just don't have the time for it. So they're willing to pay me to do that work for them. I'm like, yes, I I understand it's a lot of work. I'm a professional at it. This is what I do for a living. Let me do it for you. But yeah, that's being in a smaller town. You know, are you finding that it's harder to get I think a lot of times when people think consignment, maybe they're thinking, oh, well, that's just higher end designer pieces. Is that Mm -hmm. the sort of items that you feel like you're seeing or, you know, what do you look for, I guess? So that was an issue that I was really thinking about when I started opening because the demographic of my town isn't really rich. Like there's not a lot of money here. So other people have have like brought their concerns onto me that I'm not going to be able to find stuff worth selling, which is not the truth at all. At the beginning, I was supplementing my inventory by buying bulk from like wholesalers online to kind mm-hmm. of help in my inventory. And if I'm if I curate what I put into the store, it kind of gives customers an idea of what to bring me. So a lot of them like aren't bringing me the Target brands or like I don't know. You do you guys have Fred Meyer? Yes, we do. Okay, so Fred Meyer is like a grocery store. They also have clothing for those of you guys who don't know, but they're not bringing me Fred Meyer brands or like, you know, like the the Walmart brands. Those are the only places you can shop here. And I I don't really have that much luxury stuff. That's something I would love to grow into, but that's just not my demographic here. I've had like a couple people bring me some like higher end pieces, not nothing crazy, but most of the stuff is like mid-tier, a lot of Levi's. Yeah. 
a lot of like Zara, free people, anthropology, like basic brands. I feel like that would be bread and butter on Poshmark here. It's like, it's like Holy Grail here. Right. You know, and I think even with the higher end pieces, sometimes, you know, then on the flip side, you can have that concern about authenticity. Have you ever had a concern about authenticity with items that you've come across while consigning? So I get anything that I'm concerned about, I will get it, get them authenticated online. And I charge that payment to the customer. I tell them, I, I, very open to my customers about what I'm doing. I'm like, if you can't provide me a proof of authenticity, then I have to pay for it because I'm not going to sell anything that's not real. But I've only had one time when someone came in, tried to tell me that this like Gucci bag was real and it was like the worst fake ever. Mm -hmm. But I, (laughs) I just told them like, you know, I'm so sorry. I don't think that this item is authentic. I'm not going to be able to sell this in my store but like, I wish you the best. And they were totally fine with it. Like that's like a one case basis, but yeah, they were, they were, I think more embarrassed that it wasn't real. Cause they really thought that it was. Right. Um, so there's a lot of good things. It, it, it out ended there. up being okay. I know yeah. it was, but um, yeah, they were just kind of like, I think they were just bummed that they thought that they had something valuable and, and it wasn't. So yeah, yeah. especially if they, maybe paid up for it. That's a bummer for them. So, you know, touching on your store, you know, you mentioned that your friend at the yoga studio has allowed you to rent out a space there. Can you just tell me a little bit about the space? And I'm sorry if you already said like, what's the square footage? Is it, is it like street facing or, you know, how do, how do customers come and visit you? Yeah. Um, so I'm in the basement of the yoga studio and I think my lease was like 250 square feet mm-hmm. but I've grown so much that I've doubled that wow and awesome. I think maybe even more it's really funny because I actually started teaching at this yoga studio too I teach trapeze yoga and so cool. that is also yeah it's so much fun if you've never taken a class I highly recommend looking for one and trying it out but I, the yoga trapeze studio is also down here in the basement. So like the whole basement is pretty much like my playground. It's my, my area. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it's a little hard for customers to find me because I, I'm not on street level. And I found out very quickly that that was going to be, it's an issue for multiple reasons. First of all, it's not accessible for people who are in wheelchairs or if somebody's like, pushing their child around in a stroller like they can't come down here because there's no elevator there's no ramp or anything so that's been really frustrating but at the same time like my rent is pretty low so I can't really complain Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's been interesting there used to be a, a couple other people who have rented in this building that have moved out since but that was another way that I was getting people in just because of these other existing businesses that people were visiting and Mm -hmm. um, they would just happen upon my shop as well Um, so that was great but right now I am I just have a sandwich board outside so when people are walking down the street they can see I've also done like reels that I've posted online that are like how to get to my store and it's like me on the street and like walking into my store downstairs and like oh, happening awesome. upon my, my place yeah and that was actually I guess 
I got so many people responding to that saying like, I had no idea where you were, but now I do. Thank you so much. But yeah, so this has been one of like the hardest parts of my business is not being street facing. Also just like lack of sun and window space is depressing. Uh (laughs) So over the past few months, I've been trying to find a street level location and I am now planning on moving to one. I'm really excited about it. I haven't really announced anything or or said anything because it's still in the works, but hopefully by the end of this year, I'm going to have a bigger store and a street facing store. And I'm like over the moon. I'm so like just thankful and grateful for everything. Like even the space that I'm in now, I'm so grateful that they gave me this opportunity to see if Mm -hmm. it would grow into something. And it did. And I have a really great like local supportive customer base. They're all stoked for a bigger store. I'm super stoked for a bigger store. So yeah, there's a lot of big things um, coming this year. That's really exciting. And and that's awesome that you're going to, you know, be able to, you know, you mentioned that accessibility is kind of one of, you know, in, in multiple different ways has been kind of a totally. challenge for your business. You know, if we look besides that, because that looks like it's a challenge that's going to be kind of hopefully fixed soon. Are there other challenges you feel like, you're currently facing in your business at this time? Um, I feel like the main thing is actually advertising too. And I know earlier I said that I try not to pay for advertising and I'm mainly Mm -hmm. on like social media, but I'm finding like I might have to try either like doing ads on Facebook or Instagram or Mm -hmm. I don't really know if like a radio ad or newspaper ad is really like going to hit my demographic of my target customer, but word of mouth can only go so far. And I'm trying to now get more people maybe from like neighboring towns to come in too. So mm-hmm. when I, if I did try to focus more on like that, then that would be better with more customers though. I am going to need more help. For the last year, I've done everything by myself, and oh, you know okay. how hard it is to do everything by yourself. You know, very like, much so. <laughs> you have employees, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in the hunt for a. I'm on the hunt for either an employee to help me in my store or with the other side of my business, which is like all the per diem thrift stuff, whether it's Poshmark or YouTube or social media. I'm on I'm on the hunt for somebody to help me because I really do want to grow and I feel like part of it is that I I don't have enough hands or enough time to do right. all the things that need to be done in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a so lot yeah, of people that's can relate another, to that. Totally. It's it's frustrating. My fiance used to be able I could use I, since he was a stay-at-home dad, I could just call him up and be like, "Hey, I really need help with this. Can you come?" But last mm-hmm. week he started a full-time job working on a golf course which is like his dream oh, that's he awesome. is like as as passionate as I am about clothes he is passionate about golf so mm-hmm. as much as I'm happy for him that he's doing that also like so stoked for the second income yeah the loss of free labor <laughs> is <laughs> really sad so yeah it's it's time for me to level up time for me to add more people onto my team and I'm really excited about it I'm just trying to find the right person for sure I mean it sounds like you've got some good problems they're problems but they're good problems <laughs> they're gross yeah, problems. yeah 
which is totally. exciting, mm-hmm. but they just, yeah, they need solving and that just takes some time. So, I mean, you kind of touched on this already, you know, I was going to ask, you know, where do you see the future of your business going? And it sounds like this new location on the horizon and perhaps hiring an employee or maybe a couple of employees. Are there other thoughts or plans that you would like to carry out for your business for the rest of 2023? Sure. So with Hiring an employee, hopefully that will help take some of the load off of my plate. I really want to push more of my energy onto YouTube. I do have a YouTube channel. I haven't posted consistently since last year. And so that is another like thing that I am very passionate about that I want to keep going. Um, so I'm hoping that when I get help, I'll be able to, or maybe I could get help for YouTube. I don't know, whichever Whatever person lands in my lap, that's what I'll I'll run mm-hmm. with. But I would love to grow YouTube to kind of document the back end of like my life. Like maybe I don't know if I'll do vlogs or just like chats, but like just kind of show people what it's like. Cause I get that question a lot and I'm sure you do too. It's like, how do you do everything? It's like, well, let me take you on for a ride and show you how it's very difficult, but mm-hmm. very rewarding at the same time. Yeah. And then finding the time to actually film that vlog (laughs) amongst all those things. I know. I know. That's the thing. I'm like, I was just talking to a friend about like, oh, you know, Charlie, my fiance is working now. Like I have these dedicated hours while my daughter's in school. I'm going to do it like next week. I'm going to go hard on this new schedule. And then I look at my calendar and next week is spring break. And I'm like, oh, that means my daughter's going to be at work with me every single day next week. So. Mm Yeah, it's all balance. Yes, exactly. It's about balance and, and eternally trying to find it. That's what I always say. Yeah, I'm, I'm like almost convinced that balance doesn't exist. It's just learning what to prioritize in that moment by like, figuring out like, what's the most important thing. Like, for example, sometimes my store is going to be have like the majority of my time. Sometimes my family's going to have the majority of my time. Sometimes I'm going to have the majority of my time. And it's never really going to be like equal and mm-hmm. that's okay. You have to fill whatever, whatever cup needs it at the time. And I think that's really important to remember. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I don't think that balance, I'm with you. I don't think balance truly exists. It's just, even once you think you found it, life ebbs and flows and there's changes mm-hmm. and there's changes to schedules, school schedules, all that different sort of stuff or changes in your business and you just have to adjust. So, and then once you get comfortable, it'll change again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's the thrill of it. Right. That's the exciting part of, of life. It's true. I, I don't disagree. All right. So what advice would you give yourself if you could look back at this long journey that you've had over, gosh, really over a decade, almost a decade and a half at this point from selling clothes in high school, in the lunchroom to moving up to Oregon, starting a business, growing your full-time reselling business, and now having this thriving consignment business, you know, what advice would you have given your younger self at any point along this journey and it could be more than one piece of advice too I know it's been it's been a journey for you sure my biggest piece of advice to myself and also to anybody who needs it it's mm-hmm. this is going to sound so cheesy now that I'm thinking about it but really 
follow <laughs> your passion like follow what brings you joy like what is it in life that lights you up that makes you excited if you're like trying to make a decision and it's either one thing that like might be a risk but is like really really exciting to you versus like the safe path like go for the exciting path whatever fills you up because mm-hmm. you are going to it's just it's just always going to work out you just have to trust that if you follow your heart follow your passion it will find a way to be successful you just have to keep kind of trusting the universe god whatever you believe in that things are going to work out as long as you like stay true to yourself and stay true to mm-hmm. what brings you joy like that is something that i'm finding is so important like if i'm at work one day and i'm like you know it is beautiful outside and my daughter wants to go to the park and that sounds like a really fun thing to do right now like shoot I'll close my store early and go to the park with my daughter because that's going to bring both of us so much more joy and that's also just a perk of owning my own business like I don't have to answer to anybody mm-hmm. else I can answer to myself to my family and that has brought me so much more joy fulfillment peace in my mind and also like success like yes people love to see you being authentic and love to see you radiating joy. And, and that makes people want to support you as well. So yeah, if I, if I could change anything, actually, I don't think I would change anything about my life. I would just kind of try to encourage myself to always listen to my, my heart, to my intuition, to what I truly love and what I'm passionate about and, and just let it guide me. I think that's great advice, um, following your passion and yeah, letting, letting it guide you to kind of wherever it takes you and trusting in yourself. I feel like I've, I've walked a similar path to that. And, you know, when you said closing down the store and going and spending time with your daughter, I think that that's a great reminder to many of us, why we chose the path of Mm self-employment is that right? We are our own boss. We can create this flexibility in our schedule. And I think a lot of times we forget that because oftentimes when you're self-employed, you know, you work more than a traditional nine to five because the job is kind of, yeah, because the job is always there. And especially in the work that we do, it being online or it being in our homes, we kind of never stop working and we don't turn it off. And we end up not taking advantage of some of those those perks that that's the the whole reason yeah. maybe you got into it to begin with yeah exactly so and yeah I, I yeah yeah no I I think it just it makes sense and 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 just trusting in yourself I think that that is a great piece of advice I would definitely tell myself that as well because <laughs> there's a lot of self-doubt in the self-employment journey so Thank you again, totally. Karina. This has been so fun talking to you. Thank you. I I had so much fun too. I am like still starstruck that you wanted me to be on this podcast oh my with gosh. you. <laughs> I'm so, I, you already know. I already gushed to you. I told you that I was so excited that you said yes. And this whole thing was just going to get thrown out the window if you said no. So I'm really <laughs> grateful that we finally got to have this one-on-one conversation. I feel like I just know that much more about you and you know I don't know maybe I'll someday dip my toe into the consignment bucket again but 
I don't know. In the meantime, <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> but thank you again for being on. Thank and you, I'll talk Denali. with you soon. Thank you again to Karina for being on this week's episode of the podcast. It was so great getting to speak with her about her consignment business that she has grown into since moving to Oregon. I'm so excited for the growth that she's going to continue to have this year. And if you want to follow along, you can follow Karina on Instagram at per diem thrifts and all of her information will be linked in the show notes of this episode for you. Thank you to everybody who has reached out over the past couple of years and asked me if the podcast is finished or told me how much they enjoyed listening or asked when I may be returning to doing so to recording. I'm back and I appreciate your support during this time. I never had planned to end it, only put it on pause. And so I'm glad that I'm now able to have this opportunity to come back and with such a great episode. But in the meantime, I will see you in my next episode. Keep on listing and keep on selling.